0: Hey, welcome to the After Now podcast with Tim and George. Give us a listen. What do you have to lose?
1: Because let's be honest, you've wasted time on sketchier stuff than this before. Hey, Tim. Hey, George. Do you know how hot it is? <laughs> how hot is it? It's so hot, I almost called my ex so I could be around something shady. <laughs> it's so hot, cows are producing evaporated milk. <laughs> Good stuff. It, it's so hot, Chicken chickens are laying hard-boiled eggs. That's how hot it is out there, Tim. It's really hot out there. It's
0: really hot. Um, down here in Phoenix, whew, it was 120 yesterday, and uh, it's it was 118 today. So, um, and uh, today, July 18th, uh, 2023. What I think Phoenix broke the consecutive record, um, if I read that right. So, uh, you
1: know what else I read? Uh, that chickens are laying hard-boiled eggs. Well, no, that it's so hot, birds are using oven mitts to pull worms out of the ground. Oof, it's hot.
0: I mean it's bad when there's a lot of content to use for jokes,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the topic of our show today is since we deal with technology what heat does to technology and electronics.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like we, you know, how well do they hold up, right?
1: Yeah, a- and um you know i think what we're finding out here and, and spacecraft have been in really extreme temperatures so we we have some history of working out having electronics work in in really intense environments but then again those are also billion dollar devices out there
0: <laughs> yeah you know um, i'm i'm glad you brought that up because you know um and and that's kind of what we're talking about today right is normal electronics versus yeah. um, uh, electronics that are, are are set up to deal with a little bit of a, a little bit more of a harsh environment versus what we consider to be in hardened devices and and I don't mean that from a security perspective I mean that from a environmental perspective
1: right yeah yeah and when you look at it the you can look at it two two ways depending on relativity of, of, of the scale. Um, our stuff that we have today, our electronics, our cars, our, any kind of devices outside, there's a certain range of temperatures that they, that they prefer, if you will. And then once you get outside of those ranges, either too hot or too cold, then their performance degrades really sharply. Right. And, you know, we're seeing record heat all across the world right now. Um, but it's also being exposed a bit because we are more reliant on electronics than we ever have been before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, if the power goes out, <clears throat> our lives are, let's say, uh, compared to 1970 even. Go 50 years back. Um, if, if the power were to go out in 1970, a lot of homes didn't have air conditioning back then. Um, you certainly didn't have to worry about your phone because cell phones didn't exist. Um, you didn't have nearly the number of appliances and you weren't nearly as reliant on electricity as you are today. Mm-hmm. So, but the we, you know, all those things are good. All the advancements that we've had are good because it saves lives, right? Air conditioning, more uh, friendly climate control. Um, cars are generally more uh, robust. You, you know, if, if they're taken care of, they're not going to overheat. Um, it's uh, things are better, but we're 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 starting to see that in these extreme swings, there is degradation. There is.
0: And, you know, it's funny because um, for a little while, and and not a long time, but for a little while, uh, there uh, there have been institutions and governing bodies, right? we Of course, we've got to standardize things, right? But um, <clears throat> on, you know, outdoor electronics, especially wireless access points or outdoor electronics, um, you know, as you know, if people live in warmer climates, they're going to have APs outside or they're going to have TVs, right? TVs on the back deck that are, you know, under some type of cover or, uh, and we're not talking about cars, we're talking about electronics right now, although we'll get to cars um, later on in the episode, but um, <clears throat> there is a, an international uh, electrotechnical commission uh, that has come up with a rating sy- system, right? Um, and I, I just thought it would be kind of important to kind of come up with and and uh, people who have been in the cellular industry people who have been in the wireless fidelity industry for a while they're familiar with uh these ratings it's called ip rating right so uh also known as ingress protection what does that mean you know how much can dirt and uh water dirt and or water penetrate a device and so they have um you know uh, an ip rating and then they've got the first number which is solids and the second number, which is liquids, so if you you have, like, an IP67 versus an IP11 or IP, you know, 21 or something like that, um, you would have uh, a sliding scale, and you would be able to really tell um, how well a device is sealed and protected against, you know, the environment. Now, we're not talking about heat here. We're talking about solids and water, but we are talking about environment. Right. So an IP rating has a scale between really, you know, zero and six and um, really for the first for the first column solids and then water uh, uh, a sliding rule between zero and let's just say nine. Um, what you most commonly see on like wireless fidelity or access points or outdoor electronics, maybe like wire, waterproof speakers, stuff like that, too, uh, would be like an IP67. That's that's. That's a common rating and uh
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, and to kinda of go into it like a so six would be a protection level for the solids and the description on that would be like effective against no ingress dust, uh complete protection against uh you know uh, you know, contact dust it's dust tight, meaning dirt tight. Um and then for the seventh part of it, the water, protection from ingress water in harmful quantity is not to be possible when enclosed or immersed in water. So it's, you know, uh, effective up to one meter or three feet, three inches, right? So they have these ratings. And s- uh, from a similar fa- fashion, they also have it for heat. And heat's a little different because we're talking about normal operating conditions. And when you look at normal hardware, to your point, George, um, Hardware, whether it be an outdoor speaker, whether it be an outdoor access point, or, and you'll you'll find a a, a range, right? Um, <clears throat> like weather stations, for example, um, and, and like a, like a, a solar uh, panels that tie in. That stuff's meant to be outdoors, so that's usually got a very, very wide variance, you know, from zero degrees to one hundred and twenty degrees. The problem is, is that. If you've lived in Chicago for like the last three years or you've lived during the wintertime or you've lived in Phoenix for the last three years during the summertime, we've exceeded those values.
1: One of the interesting things, Tim, that, that you had just discussed about being being able to handle the dirt and the water, that is now expected. Consumers now expect to be able to drop things in the dirt get it wet um drop it on concrete so it's got to be shockproof dirt proof waterproof and this wasn't the case up until very recently in the yeah, past you're right you you had to you had to be careful with your electronics if, if you got it wet it was done it yeah. was it was toast mm-hmm. right yep um and one of the things from um I would think electrical engineers that drives electrical engineers crazy is the fact that when you seal these things to make those dust proof and dirt proof and shock resistant, you're totally getting rid of the ability for that to breathe and to get any kind of cooling air in there, right because if air could come in, water can get in right, right? so um i I you know, I think that's going to be a real challenge, and especially you. Not only do you throw the heat of the environment, which is getting hotter, but you also they people want more battery life, so you get the heat from the batteries as well.
0: Yeah, I think what's uh, really pushed the market is uh, the advent of portables, right? <clears throat> and yeah, you know it's it's been absolutely amazing um, what Android, uh, Google has been able to do with their phones, what Apple. Has been able to do with their phones. I mean, they're essentially coating the logic boards, both companies, in you know waterproof, um, you know, uh, you know, coating. Um, they've created a way where if you have a a watch, whether you know whether whatever flavor it is, you know, if it goes underwater, um, it could handle uh, water to a certain depth. Uh, when when the watch comes out of the water, the speaker vibrates to push the water out of the device and clear it out um there's you know there's a uh there's a lot of innovative tech around the fact that hey we know you're bringing your technology into uh a less hospitable place for it so we're going to do we're going to do our best to do it i mean i've i've straight up you know somebody said oh you know your iphone you know uh 12 13 you know uh it's not waterproof and i'm like yeah it is dude and i've throwing it right in the water, and, you know, right in the pool, I grabbed it, wiped it off, and it's been fine. I'm like, you... you right, you... and it is for a little
1: bit. It's guaranteed to be for a little bit and yeah. to a certain depth. I yep, mean, exactly. And, and people are always knuckleheads, like, oh, it doesn't go to 90 feet. Well, when the, when the hell were you down 90 feet, you know, and come back up with it? <laughs> you build something for... The, you have to engineer something to handle the environment that it's in.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and, and, and and that's relevant to what we're talking about because our electrical grid has you know whenever it gets super hot, it's always been a bit suspect anyway, right? You you, you always knew that uh, stay on, and it, it's rare, but every once in a while you'll hear of a brownout or a blackout. Right. Um.
0: But how? But I guess the question is. And it's part of this conversation as the temperatures continue to go up and as we continue to push the envelope, um, you know, of, uh, you know, our environment, whether it be extreme colds or extreme heats, you know, how does technology fare? And what happens when the grid goes out and you're left um, really on your own, you know, then then what happens?
1: Yeah, because it could literally be the d- the difference between life and death. It could be for sure. For yeah, sure, um, it, yeah, that's a tough one. Well, because... you know,
0: it's it's interesting because I, I've started to kind of uh, look at, you know, um, and I've always taken an interest in microgridding um, and looking at how microgrids are built. and And for those of you who aren't familiar, microgrids are, um, you know, small communities or or um, or uh, subdivisions that may have their own power grid. Um, and so they share with the local power company, but they also produce and service themselves first and then others, uh, secondarily tertiary. Um, and so that would include, you know, um, having transformers, having the power company or utility come in and build transformers in your subdivision, having people do solar wind power, whatever it is, and then applying that power to the local grid, um, and it having, you know, um. 30 minutes, one hour, you know, or let's just say 15, 30 or one hour, uh, as far as power goes and backup goes, um, that way if there is a brownout to your point, George, um, that subdivision would never feel it. It would overcome that. And, and hopefully there would be a surplus of power to throw back onto the main grid to help others. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're right. I think it is a life or death conversation that we're going to start having.
1: Especially for older people. I mean, uh, older people and younger people—they can't regulate their bodies as well. Right. And and, and so these extremes are, are a much bigger deal. Um, and fair conditioning goes out. Uh, that's bad. And, and it's like, yeah, we used to live without it. Yeah, but people died. You know. Right. <laughs> they just did. Right. For um, sure. No,
0: I think it's absolutely true.
1: And there's um, one of the interesting things is using solar or renewable, you have to store that energy somewhere. Well, if the batteries get really hot, then they're not very efficient and they're not working as well. And they're not going to last. They're not going to hold the power as long or be able to deliver as much power. So. At some point, you put the batteries in a climate-controlled place. You know, man, and, and... George,
0: you are you are dead <laughs> on um, because a project that I'm looking at, and you've just by talking it through, have figured out the Achilles' heel of a lot of hardware, right? Um, and 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 everyone's known this. You know, the hotter a battery gets, the more uh, of an inclement environment you place technology. You're going to shorten the lifespan of that technology. Yep, and yeah. What I'm doing in my own home is I'm putting in actually a closed-loop solar system, um, or mm. I'll call it a solar plant, DC plant, where <clears throat> I have um, – and, and a lot of people, what they utilize is, you know, 350, 450-watt solar panels. I'm going to be leveraging 900-plus-watt solar panels and maximizing some of my roof space. So um, is
1: that is that additional watt? in the same footprint it is
0: it is okay yeah so you're just spending more for the panel um but so if you were to take two 400s and uh, get it a total output of 800 uh mm-hmm. versus my 900 i'm paying about 30 35 more for that okay. one panel yeah um so it's it's there is a and 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 uh for all of those listeners out there who are very familiar with solar i'm I'm playing the number game, um, absolutely, because you're never going to get a hundred percent out of any solar panel, even if, sure. I mean, I guess if you were on any energy source, honestly. Well, if you were on Mercury, maybe you could get, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't live on Mercury, right? So, um, so yeah, I mean, but what I'm doing is I'm building a closed loop system where I'm taking, you know, maybe four or six of those nine hundred watt, and if you do the math. Yeah, you're talking about a couple kilowatts already of power generation. Now, I'm in Arizona, and there's no shade around me except for on the, uh, the south and north side of the house, and it, I'm pretty good. And what I'm doing is I'm putting that into a system that uh, will regulate it. It's a solar regulator, it's a, and it's also an inverter, so it converts it from DC or direct current to AC, alternating current. Um, but it also shunts it to battery packs. And so what I'm doing is I'm moving my entire garage to, to a closed loop system and it does not touch the grid. And one of the things that I'm putting on this closed loop system is a, uh, a high output air conditioning system for the garage. To keep the yes, to keep the temperature in the garage lower. Now, I'm not looking for it to be a nice brisk sixty degrees with you know icicles hanging from the ceiling. What I'm looking <laughs> what I'm looking to do is to get it around maybe seventy five degrees, eighty degrees, um, but that dramatically is much. That's going to bring the the temperature much down, and that's going to extend the life of the batteries that would be sitting in my garage or in a area where I hold or store all the solar equipment. Um, and they'll be mounted on the wall. And they even have batteries that are completely sealed. Um, and they have batteries that are you know seven you know seventy thousand cycles. So you can charge and discharge it seventy thousand times. You know mm. ten ten years. Uh, you know, a lot of people might say, "Well, you're putting batteries in your house." Actually, they also have um, they also have fire or they also have fire arresters on them. So they got a fire arrester in the front, built in, and in back. So if the batteries were to become compromised and start a fire, they pop and just basically blow into the system um, uh, a, uh, a a non yeah like a chemical non burning chemical uh, um, propellant that, uh, just, you know, uh, ceases the fire from, uh, ever being able to take off.
1: Now, um, I've seen people have either, um, Tesla or Genrac battery packs on their, on their garage walls. I've seen some of those.
0: Yeah. The Genrac stuff is good. And I like Teslas too. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, you, you go out there and you find you can find that uh, there are a lot of companies right now. See, the, the problem with those solutions, not Genrac, but Tesla. And I don't mean to, you know me, I'm kind of a fanboy of Tesla. Close, yeah, close, close and personal friend of the
1: show. Close. Yeah,
0: close personal friend of the show. Is, you know, you're kind of stuck buying the entire solution. So if you're getting a power wall and it's, you know, uh, two, four, six kilowatts, whatever, you're, you're paying for that. Whereas, you know, these are rack mounts um, and you can literally put one, um, one solar panel on the roof, one battery in the garage and just grow it out and scale it out as you want. And then just collect those tax credits at the end of the year, right? You know, as, as you get, uh, you know, like a, a bonus if you're in sales or whatever it is, you can just apply money to the, the solar plant and grow it out. Um, which is something that I really like about these kind of do-it-yourselfer Kind of uh, do-it-yourself kind of um, uh, approaches to 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 microgridding and to doing solar. And by the way, this hardware is exactly down the the path of what you and I have been talking about. It's really built built to be in a harsh environment, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the reason why I'm putting it in a closed loop is because it's also not only going to bring the environmentals down uh, in my garage and keep the garage cool. It keeps the cars cool. So the battery packs in the, in the cars are kept cool. They're not sitting out in the 120-degree heat. By the way, the skin of my Tesla um, earlier today, my Tesla's black, and I've got a Fluke, um, uh, you know, just, a, 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 just a, a device that allows me to take temperature readings digitally. Okay. And it was 160 degrees on the shell of the car. It was 150 inside. So the battery packs have, um, you know, a coolant that uh, flows through them. If you move the cars into a garage and you environmentally uh, seal that garage and and drop the temperature and you're taking nearly 100 percent or in this case, all 100 percent of the energy is coming off of high efficiency solar cells. Um, it's zero carbon emissions, although we all know it takes some carbon emissions to develop, build, and produce the equipment. But over time, you overcome that by becoming neut- uh, carbon neutral. And two, you're saving the electronics and also the um, the degradation of your Tesla and the battery packs that are in the house and the electronics that are sitting in the garage from the heat by controlling the environment in the
1: garage. And, and that's... Um... When when a battery gets really hot, and, and Tim, you had recent experience mm-hmm. um, where it won't accept a charge, and the charger, if the charger is in a very hot environment, the charger won't work very efficiently. Um, so by keeping the car and the charger in somewhat that's sheltered and in somewhat climate controlled you're going to save a lot of energy and the life of the car and also um it's you're if it remains super hot i mean theoretically you could you might have to keep your car charging all the time because of the efficiency lost that's
0: exactly what i'm doing right now is the car's outside it's plugged
1: in there's a
0: thermal protection on the car that kicks the fans on and drops the temperature in the cabin and cools the batteries down, which burns energy, which then I have to recharge the batteries and it cycles through this. And it, this is not sustainable. So what I need to do is move it into the garage and completely um, keep it off grid and and just build a system that will be completely self-sufficient. And by the way, also fully charge the cars because I'm not going to, to pull power off the grid anymore to charge my car, this system will be part of that. So, I'm accomplishing moving my garage to an off-grid system, environmentally um, controlling the garage to a point where I'm protecting my electronics and my automobiles, and I'm able to char- recharge two cars for free, and this system will probably be upwards of twelve to $14,000. Mm. Because it's a do-it-yourself type of thing. But, these are the types of things that you need to look at right these are the types of things where you say oh my god 12 or 13000 dollars that's a lot of money yeah but with tax credits that helps offset it a little and and unfortunately tax credits you don't get a refund but you can offset um uh you know uh, uh if you owe on your taxes you can offset that and you can push that offset across multiple years um the other thing, too, is remember, um, if you look at your app on your Tesla or if you, if you have a Rivian or if you have a Lucid or any electric car company, um, even GM or Ford, you can see your, your usage. And usually some place in that app, it shows what your electrical costs were versus what would have been your, um, your gas costs. And so you can see what you've saved. Um, in a year's time, I spent about $2,700 in um uh, on electric and and so if if i could take that twenty seven hundred dollars and pull it right off um a closed loop grid well then you know in five to seven years i'm i'm making that money back or at least i'm breaking even right yeah right
1: right yeah and and that technology is going to come down in in cost as as more improvements are made oh yeah um but but in terms of the um the performance so you drove to you drove from arizona to texas
0: yeah so this is the pivoting part of it right and this is we're talking about now we're leaving home base right and we're going out into the wild and we did we did my my um my sister-in-law to be um is moving from from austin beautiful city by the way to dallas another beautiful city and, uh, on the way there, um, by the way, you know, when I bought a black car for all of you people out there, <laughs> are like, why would you own a black car with black interior in, uh, in, in Phoenix guys, I bought it when I was in Chicago. Um, this, it really works out well in the winter time. It melts the ice, but, uh, you know, I, and I had not made plans to move to the South when I bought the car, by the way, I bought it used. So, you know, you want to talk about taking advantage of a carbon footprint, so, um, I'm driving a and, black... you're,
1: and you're italian, and so you almost have to have a black car a- absolutely I mean you know it is
0: it's, it's not an escalade, it's not an escalade, but you know, <laughs> and my name's not Tony, but you know what no no
1: I, I, I hear you but i'm but, i'm driving I'm sorry to... i di- we digress we digress
0: yeah, absolutely, so yeah, we get through um tucson, we get through um
1: um. Uh, New Mexico, uh, and then we. And get what, in... what are the temperatures out? What What are the temperatures like outside? In in on on the car? I mean, the on the
0: car, the car, honestly, on the car, it's about one hundred and thirty degrees on the shell of the car. Um, it's you know about seventy five inside the car because the car was having problems cooling itself. It really was. It was you know on the top of the Tesla, it's all glass, and I even have um this this cloth protection system that you can buy from Tesla that keeps the heat down and the um, the radiant energy out of the car. And it helps. It really does. But uh, I had a French bulldog in the back seat and she was panting like crazy. Um,
1: and, you know, it's it, the car was having problems keeping up. The chargers. But to be fair, but to, but to be fair um, an internal combustion engine, would have had issues keeping up as well in that heat.
0: Well, a new one, I'd say, a car with inside of four years or five years. No, I don't think so. I think it would have done really? better. I think
1: it would have done better. It would I have really done do. better. It would have done better. But it, uh, in in that kind of heat, well over a hundred, in the middle of nowhere where there's no shade relief, um, if you had a it, uh, yeah, it would well, have been struggling. It right, would have struggled.
0: Right now, if I had a white Tesla with white interior. And it was newer, and maybe the coolant system was a little bit more up to date, uh, because remember I've got a, a, a two thousand eighteen model car, mm. so you know there are there have been some improvements in this, and they've. But overall, I give the Tesla a B minus, maybe a C plus, um, okay. and and, and For I sure. and 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 it would give it higher marks given the age, um, but. Um I was pretty pissed because I was sweating my balls off. So, yeah, yeah it was <laughs> we were both pretty hot and the car was not doing a very good job of it. And and, and and part of that's the age of the car, but part of it's also um uh but but I say age of the car, but you know it is an electric car and it really only has 70,000 miles on it. Yeah. I felt like it should be able to do better. Um and and so these are questions that I'll be posing to Tesla actually, um because okay. even locally in um phoenix it has a hard time keeping up with cooling down uh at the height of a 120 degree day or whatnot but this is kind of the conversation that you and i are having we're getting to the point where um whether it be old tech or new tech we're reaching some limits of what we're
1: trying to do here you know and this yeah, that is becoming a little scary. always that that 120 has always seen, seemed to be kind of the upper limit. Yeah. Right? And, and honestly, it's probably the upper limit of where people can survive for real. Yeah, I think
0: you're right. I think that 120, um, I, I think that when you get past 120, it becomes a little scarier. Now, that being said, um, you know, there's, there's something to be said for a little over-engineering, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, on homes uh, in and around Phoenix. And, you know, again, the Phoenix area, the Phoenix metro area, this is funny, and I'm, I'm going to go on record in saying this. We had a lot of rain in the beginning of the year. We had a lot of rain in, in the fall of last year. You go and look at the National Weather Service tables and the drought tables, Phoenix is in a very light drought situation, even though we've had 20, 20 25 consecutive days of triple digits. I mean, they haven't updated the tables yet, but they're still, you know, they're they're within uh what you would think of uh, as far as a desert area to area for for being a drought situation. We're not that bad off right now. And yeah, it, 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 I'm not hearing anything about the drought so much anymore. Right. There's not really a drought. It's just the heat and the oppressive heat and the grid and the infrastructure out here is built for it. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to paint a pretty picture. I'm just trying to say there's a lot more people contributing power to the grid and, you know, uh, APS, which is one of two companies out here, um, you know, they they've they've had to build some redundancy into the system. A lot of people may not know this, but there is actually three power grids in the United States. There's uh, the West Coast power grid, which is, you know, take the middle of the country and You know, go to the left and with the California and that's pretty much the West Coast system. There's the Mm -hmm. East Coast system, which is, you know, again, you know, a couple hundred miles uh, west of the Mississippi all the way over to, um, you know, the, the East Coast of the country. And, you know, that's your East Coast grid. And then and I'm picking on Texas, but then there's Texas. And Texas
1: is Texas,
0: Texas, is Texas. And there's there's some regions just north of Texas. So some parts of some other states just just north of it. Right. Um, Maybe in uh, Oklahoma and whatnot. But for the most part, um, Texas as a whole has its own grid because um, we're, we're about to really, you know, give Texas a hard time a little. And, and and I like Texas, but whatever. So we were driving through Texas and we were just getting killed. Part of this killed because just the heat, it was just oppressive. And we pulled in. And yeah, there
1: happened to be a heat dome. You drove through a heat dome.
0: We did. This was the, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, really the worst case scenario as far as what we've seen so far.
1: You, you know how hot it was, Tim? It was hot. It, it was so hot, I saw two fire hydrants fighting over a dog. <laughs> That's how hot it was again when but you I, have
0: I, all I, of this rich content you know there's a problem
1: yeah right
0: <laughs> so we 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 were getting to a point where we were pulling into charging stations and the charging stations even though they were at so you know you have a couple different types of chargers in the tesla network you've got a, a a level 2 and a you know level 1 level 2 level 3 there are hardly no level 1s anymore those are really considered destination charger uh, j- chargers or when you get to a destination you plug it in and it charges for 18 hours, whatever, right it's yeah. a slow charge a uh, level 2 charger is a, a much slower charger um that's going to be you know uh, 60 amps to you know maybe even the 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 75 kW or the 75 watt amps you know the and then you've got the 150s and then you've got the 250s the larger Tesla chargers that everyone's seen. There's there's 75 uh, watt ones out here, uh, or 75 kW ones out here, but um, mm. they're they're far and few between. They're older. You they're they're usually in um, near malls and stuff. They're not off the main highways, which would be you know like interstates where people would pull over and get a fast charge over 250 kW. Um, but some of these chargers were running half speed or a quarter of their speed because they were just running too hot. So the infrastructure was wow. really really yeah. Having a hard time. And so there's a couple things that kind of play into that. And they're the things that George and I you know, wanted to talk about. It's we're stressing the infrastructure. Um, we're pushing it to the limits. And there's a human cost to that, too, because, you know, when you're in a electric automobile, you pull in the gas station, you you literally pump the gas for three to five minutes, three minutes, and then you're off again and that if you've got to do that six or eight times that total time is 15 minutes Mm -hmm. across you know four or six you know gas stations unless you're you know pulling in going to the washroom getting you know lunch at a gas station or whatever it is if you're just driving through straight it's a total cumulative time of 15 minutes but when you're on a tesla that cumulative time under the best of circumstances could be you know um, 15 10 or 15 or 20 minutes uh, at a at at four or five stations that can inject an hour six you know or 40 to 40 minutes to 90 minutes of additional drive time over the same duration so instead of a you know instead of a 10 hour drive it's a 11 and a half 12 hour drive in a Tesla and that makes a difference at last hours is- killer. Well, <laughs> it's it's tough. But when you start stressing and, and again, um mileage will vary. Ha <laughs> ha. Wink wink nudge nudge on that, right? Yeah. But but these, you know, what I'm kind of talking about is a um a 2018 long range guys, long range uh Tesla 3 um and uh you know, uh th- that's the car that I was in. Of course, if you're in an S, an S range is going to be much better. But the difference between an s and a three is you know roughly thirty thousand dollars if you're buying it yeah. new you know yeah. you know so there there is a price to be paid for that um but of course, if you have a 500 mile s um uh, again, even the heat on an s would affect it. maybe that battery right. range would drop a little, but you know um th- that would hold true for my three as well so the battery range yeah, it's is,
1: a percentage the battery the battery's only absolutely. You, you can drop a percentage, or right? yep,
0: yep, and absolutely. So you're talking about an hour to an hour and a half of extra drive time. But when the charging stations are impacted like this um, and they're charging at half speed or a quarter speed and then someone comes in and charges, uh, you know, four or five other cars come on and then they happen to jump onto maybe the same charging um the chargers are split up like a1 a2 a3 b1 b2 b3 so if someone jumps on another a and i'm on an a we're going to share that 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 power right, right? Yeah. so now we're talking about an even more degraded experience so now we were running into charging took us four hours to get four hours additional and the 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 the, the, the human factor on that is man i don't want to drive a tesla across country in the summertime anymore. I don't want to do this not like yeah. this
1: yeah well and so now the good news is so something modern well fairly modern that's happened it's really from a infrastructure standpoint it's really a good thing that those chargers were only working at 25 percent or 50 percent because what they were doing is they were protecting themselves correct from overheating now if that didn't happen and let's say you were getting the full juice through there, they would have failed. They would have broken, and then you would have had all these broken charging stations everywhere you went. So um, the electronics are built so that it will keep itself alive. Yep, and there
0: there are thermal protection um, components to those chargers. You are absolutely correct. And. You know, to revise what I said before, it's not necessarily that I don't want to drive a Tesla that distance. I just want the experience to be better. And as we, yeah. we our technology gets better, the experience will get better. But right now, this is what I'm kind of facing with the environment. Um, and I will tell you this. When I got home, um, we found that there were some chargers um, in Tempe that were down. Um and mm. so you remember I said you have an A grouping you have a B set yeah. and you have so the B set had died and the lights had gone out on the chargers and it's funny because most of the time every time I pull into a Tesla sta- uh, charging area everyone's you know nice to one another we're always talking and whatnot um sometimes you get some people who are a little cranky um but not very often. But man, uh, down there, whatever the day was, maybe there was something in the water. Hmm. I don't know. Um, you just had a lot of cranky people that were going on, uh, and and they just didn't want to deal with it. But you got yeah. to see, you get to see the again. We're talking about the human experience, right? Yeah. Um, those charges are down. You can't you charge your car, and you don't have the range to get to another charge. Um, you know that's where range anxiety kind of kicks in a little. Um, uh, people who like to dry their batteries out. And I say that jokingly because there was somebody at that charge station whose uh, Model Y literally died eight feet from the charging stall. And uh, that was a mess. And we had to help him get in there. Um, But there were just some people that were just kind of – there were just some people who were just kind of, uh, you know, um, mean – and uh, that was unfortunate, and that's the toll. Yeah, that's the toll. Well,
1: point. And, and, and you know that's that's kind of human nature, right. and we're um, as more people go to electric cars, which is going to happen. Yep. Um, that crankiness may actually be beneficial, in that that should, with enough complaints, that should prompt either. Government or what have you to upgrade those, that experience. You know, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty
0: balanced individual. But when I heard that the state of California, which, you know, the that the the government in the state of California is, uh, I, I don't exactly understand what is going on there. But in the, I think it was in the same either span of two days or three days, they had literally told their citizens. Hey, we just signed a bill. This was a couple weeks back, where no um gas car will be allowed to be produced in the state of California, um and or sold. I believe I believe also sold. Yeah, sold in in the state of California, um as an as a gas car after twenty thirty, is it? It was either thirty two or thirty five. Yeah, something like that. Either that day or two days later, they literally told everyone who owned an electric car in the state don't charge your cars or refrain from charging your cars during peak hours because the grid can't handle it and you shouldn't really do it i mean
1: yeah it's it's ideas before the infrastructure is there
0: yeah and that's it's, that's the that's the natural progression of this conversation
1: yeah and uh, and, and but it, it's So cars are one piece of it, and and maybe the higher profile piece. But there's other electronics that we're becoming very, very reliant on. Absolutely. Um, You you know, the power grid, what have you. Think about hospitals. Um, And we've been, as much as we complain about infrastructure, and one of the reasons uh, infrastructure is being complained about, one, it could be better. No question, it could be better. But that's how politicians get a bunch of money to throw around. Right. Right. Um, we're really fortunate with our grid here. It's old and it needs to be updated and all that. But compared to other countries, we are really, really freaking fortunate in the stability of our power grid. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh... we, we don't have brownouts. We don't have we don't have hours where the power goes out there there's there's countries in like the baltic states in europe where power just goes out yeah it comes up when they get
0: to it we built that power grid on um some strong fundamentals right i mean this is in the 50s 60s and 70s we built the i mean obviously a lot has been upgraded and and modified but if you're talking about like the the core power grid you know um a lot of it that could was it be better. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it definitely could be improved and and um, made less susceptible and and all this other stuff. But you might get a power outage if, like, you have a super bad storm and it knocks something out in your neighborhood. Yeah. But overall, you uh, we're very fortunate with the power we do have, with the quality of power we have. Yeah, yeah, no, so, I I agree. So, I mean, so we're, we're it, very fortunate, and and you know, again, it makes really good politics to bitch about it, but, <laughs> but, well, you need to bitch about it because,
0: because it's getting worse.
1: It's getting taxed more. It, it's getting used more. Not I, I don't not like well that too, but right, um, the money piece as well. But <laughs> it, <laughs> yes, it, usage. It, it's it, getting taxed. It, yes. 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 Yes, so because the demand is more, you you got to keep on investing in it. So that that part of that's true, but part of it is politicians are they're but, spendaholics.
0: But what you one of the things that made the power grid, uh, or makes the our power grid so reliable, um, Japan also has a, a pretty good. Power grid. I mean they do. I, I'm I'm being straight up honest. Their their power grid oh, yeah. is really good. I digress. The uh the, the power grid uh a, a lot of times what's made our power grid um pretty robust as as we've talked about here is we haven't taxed it a lot. Um again, That's true. we're talking about a situation where you know, and I use this analogy so people can kind of understand it. I'm building a microgrid in my garage to protect the electronics and cars. So over a long duration, the electronics and and in in that equipment will be in a more, um, you know, uh, hospitable environment, and it won't degrade over time. The same holds true to our power grid. We've maybe only run our power grid at in many cases thirty to forty percent. Now, um, I would say within the last. And I'll go beyond what I actually think it is and say ten years within the last ten years, I think we've clipped seventy to seventy five percent of the power grid in a lot of areas in California. I'm sure they have run it up to even closer to eighty or eighty five percent and so when you introduce that kind of usage to a power grid, you know components are going to components are going to fail more right
1: no no question yeah. and but that's the that's the frustrating part, And, Tim. We've talked about that on this show. Yeah, we're we're all for electrification, and it's even stuff like they're getting rid of gas stoves, and they're getting rid of gas heaters and gas dryers, and in parts of the country like the Midwest, everything is gas. Okay. Yep. What's going to replace the gas? right and the funny thing is is
0: i've kind of done a midwest in my house i've moved my stove off electric back on the gas i've moved my tankless water heater off of electric because it was electric the one that was here was electric on the gas um because gas rates are less money and electric's more and if you know i mean honestly the shit were to hit the real fan and i were to have an apocalyptic yeah. situation i can literally convert it to propane very easily
1: right and and all those devices your, your your hot water heater your stove that is now that's taken some of the pressure and the load off of the electrical grid right right and so all this bullshit that's being oh we gotta get rid of this we gotta get rid of that it has nothing to do with the reasons they're talking about right absolutely none it's got it's it, it's people that are making these decisions I got to be honest with you when you hear some of the the ideas and the explanations it's like I I, I can't believe a anybody voted for for these people and it's not one party trust me it's Mm. not Mm -hmm. um but they there's an agenda to get everything electrified and um it doesn't make sense and we're not ready for it so i mean if if you're going to have the electric cars just go on the grid i mean that's going to be a big that's going to tax the system like crazy then you take away millions of appliances. Right. Man. So there was who?
0: a there was an article or a um a piece that NASA wrote. I, I think I forwarded it to you. Um and it was uh I don't know if you read it or not, but uh you know and and, and to be fair, I perused it because uh I, I got the the overall sediment of of what was trying to be explained in the uh, the article, and I had read other articles to this effect, where when they talked about COVID, they talked about not no one driving, no petrol or or exhaust fumes, you oh, know, yeah. the tonnage of exhaust being introduced into the atmosphere, and there was a cooling effect uh, on the planet for a little while. It was small, but mm-hmm. it was measurable, um, and you know the the idea is is that if we can reverse that, uh, you know, before we have a runaway greenhouse effect, um, then, you know, because you think you think uh, you think Mercury's hot, but Venus is even hotter, and Venus is nowhere near as close <laughs> to the sun as Mercury is, but that's because of a runaway, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, atmosphere, and we we don't want that,
1: right? So, no, and and if Kim, if we're really serious about it if we're really serious about it, look at the largest polluters, airplanes, right? Airplanes and cruise ships, all this nonsense. Right. If you really want to do it, make those ridiculously expensive so that people don't just take flights willy-nilly or private jets. Right. Nobody's going to touch a private jet because it's all rich people that you know, that that have private jets. Those are incredibly wasteful. And you're putting blast furnaces, which are jet engines, into the atmosphere tens of thousands of times a day. Yeah. And, Rid- and... ridiculous amounts of fuel. So if we if you're really serious about it, it's not the stoves right that, that are gonna do it, right? right? If you're really serious, look at the big boys. Oh, but we don't you know, those are donors, man. You know,
0: yeah. It, it, to to Boeing and Airbus's uh, credit, they they have their their newest generation of uh, planes are far far oh, more yes. fuel efficient than you know, and and they can carry more, right? So the technology is getting better. But you know, point taken, man. I mean, absolutely. You know, we're I don't even know how many flights are there per um, per day, right? But uh, given the fact that the flight uh, safety record is better than. The train safety record remember that show we had oh yeah <laughs> um, yeah oh yeah y- yeah it's just it's one of those things where yeah people are going to continue to take them because sure um, because you can, a a, you,
1: you can get you can get you can get a hundred and fifty dollar flight basically across country yeah I, I, you can absolutely um <laughs> and, so, and so you know that this, this is a tough situation but the reality is we're going to have knuckleheads making decisions about that all the time so what's going to have to happen is the electronics are going to have to, the electronics and the battery technology is going to have to um, continue to be developed and continue to improve to overcome the strain on the grid and the higher temperatures. So, so it's, it's going to need to be in, in, able to operate in, in a wider range than it currently is. and,
0: and I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to showcase um, George's point right now um, according to the FAA and, and some other uh, news outlets and, and, and outlets that you know track this stuff. The latest estimates are George, I want you to take a guess for me how many flights per day there are in the world. Now when I, when I ask this question, the number includes all type of flights, so that would be passenger, aircraft, cargo, military aircraft, um, that kind of stuff. Take a guess on how many flights per day there are.
1: I'm going to say I'm I'm kind of shooting high. 15,000. Okay. 15,000. Yeah.
0: 100,000 flights per day.
1: Oh my. Nope. 100,000.
0: 100,000?
1: Thousand?
0: Yes. 100,000 flights per day. Oh. Yeah, and and that's you know, and there's about sixteen point four million flights handled by the FAA alone, alone, just in North America per year. So you know, I mean that that number makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, there's about a hundred. Then, and,
1: then, and then we wonder why, right? And, and oh, we got to go, you know, get rid of your your car that gets uh, thirty five miles to the gallon and go electric. How about grounding some freaking jets?
0: Yeah, well, and that—that's the point. People, people might be like, "Whoa, well, a hundred thousand—that's a lot." But like, how many cars are there? Well, yeah, but you got to remember, when you're talking about a, you know, uh, a forty thousand horsepower General Electric, you know, engine on the left side of the the plane versus the right side of the plane, right? Um, yeah. or or let's 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 pick on Rolls-Royce for a second cuz they make they make uh jet engines for Air, uh, Airbus, right? So you got GE for Boeing for the most part and Rolls-Royce, you know, and Pratt and & Whitney and Pratt & uh, Whitney yeah, and you got all the smaller jets too. You're 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 talking about uh you know 400 500 cars would equal the same horsepower as one jet engine. So one, yes. So
1: and and those cars are not spewing that hot air in the atmos- in the upper atmosphere
0: right but you know maybe the cumulative btus would be it, that would be a really cool figure right like you know in the exhaust on a car versus an exhaust on a jet and i'm pretty sure the exhaust on the jet well would, and
1: the, I, I i think they did a similar thing tim like like you were talking about nasa after nine eleven, when they grounded all the planes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The West, you are right. I remember they, reading they, that. Yep, they noticed a two or three degree increase in temperature when they grounded all the planes. <sighs>
0: yeah, and uh, you mean decrease, not increase? Or decrease. Yeah, yeah decrease. Yep, yep. And in, it's something something to also point out. Airplanes fly very high in the atmosphere. Um Where there are, remember, we're down at essentially sea level um except for denver you know those people um right, mile yeah. high right yeah whatever yeah um <laughs> but no nah, just giving giving some love, love us out. some denver. give it given the love out to the uh the the denver bronco fans um that's right but the little potheads, right? Exactly. <laughs> that alone probably is screwing up a lot of some interesting green that's, clouds over that city. That's, right? Yeah, no kidding. Right, but no. Uh, in all seriousness, though, they um, they're, they're in a much higher atmosphere. They operate at that you know thirty thousand foot level, where where the air is much thinner. Uh, things move around much differently up there. You're above a lot of the um, uh, uh, the weather. Um, and and mm-hmm. the impact is much greater because you're up there and you're you you have a greater impact too so when we when we talk about automobiles and getting rid of all the automobiles that's important that's really important and making sure that everything's sure. electrified but it's really i'd say less than 30 percent of the problem if you really want to oh, yeah. look at it yeah
1: yeah and so again it comes down to um are you okay with Not getting the one hundred and fifty dollars flight to Vegas to go there for a weekend, you know, um, we we're spoiled. Yeah, the entire the entire world is pretty spoiled right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And again, some more than others. I I, I get. I I know people. (laughs) I I get it. So
0: our point being <laughs> our point being though that th- there is a cumulative cost to this and there's a, there's or say there's a cumulative price to pay for this and yes. and uh, over time um you know it's that that cat and mouse game of we're going to have to build or harden our electronics in harden our electronics to deal with the the rising temperatures but then we're going to have to deal with the rising temperatures and the demand i mean that's a cat and mouse game at w- at one point, the hope would be that we've overcome enough of the wave and the momentum that uh, things begin to cool down, and you know um, things begin to heal on our little blue pebble. Because if or they do don't, we put
1: everything under roof,
0: <laughs> we're gonna be screwed. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so hey, Tim. Hey, George. I saw a heat wave. <laughs> okay.
0: And I wave back. And you wave back. Nice. I was waiting for that. <laughs> That's the last one. I promise. I was, I just really like that one. No, it's good. It's good. Thank you. A <laughs> hundred thousand flights per day. What the
1: hell? That's insanity. Come on. <sighs> all right. So,
0: I think we talked this one to death. People get it. People understand. Yeah, it.
1: we did. Uh, and you know, um, do what you can. Do what That's you all. can.
0: You know, just do what you can. I, I, I'm i not going to go off on a tangent here, but I heard someone say, don't bother recycling your plastics anymore in the recycling bins because uh, what are um, – uh, and I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying I heard this um, I, because I heard that a lot of municipalities are uh, and, and, and government agencies are outsourcing the recycling to third parties that are just sending it to – you know, countries like India or you know, Pan Asian countries, and they're just throwing it into the ocean.
1: Yeah, and, and because it has to be in pristine condition for it to be, um, for it to be recycled. And so, like your peanut butter jar, they're saying it takes more water to adequately clean out the peanut butter jar than the energy saved by recycling it.
0: Yeah, that 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 just makes me nauseous. I know. Yeah.
1: There's gotta be. Come on, there's gotta. All right. Maybe that will be a show for another time. Yeah, Show, show for another time. So. All right, George. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Hold on. We we got it. We got to finish on this. We, we got to finish oh, on this. One more. Here we go. One more. No. This is this is a conversation Tim and I had before the show. And I kind of took it in a dark place. Oh, jeez. Remember that? Where yes. He said. He said it was. You're gonna have a hard time sleeping. Yeah, go go ahead. It's it's, okay. uh, it's your story. I <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing so, at you. That's all. So, so I was I was getting hot and crabby cuz I was cutting the grass cuz I, I got a push mower. I do it to get my steps in. Um and and it, it gets quite uncomfortable, but that's kind of the point. Anyway, so I'm out there sweat my ass off and this thought came to mind cuz we were, we knew we were going to do the show on How electronics do in the heat range and so forth? I said, "Huh, you know how we always talk about AI, and my firm belief is that AI is not going to kill us because it really won't care, because um, the servers are in climate-controlled rooms, and whether the air is clean or not, it really doesn't care, right? Because it's it's a giant network, whatever." Here comes the dark. Here comes the dark point. (laughs) Here, here's where here's the (laughs) off-ramp. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm just sitting there being crabby and my thought is, huh, you know, if machines all of a sudden start designing their electronics in a temperature range that humans can't live in, then maybe they will turn on us. Because they won't care if we're there to take care of them or not. The moral of the story is that's when you start worrying. That's when you start worrying. Right. So if machines start creating electronics and other machines to work in temperatures that humans cannot uh, move, go so to if, the hills.
0: If you happen to be strolling through a Best Buy one day and happen to notice that your laptop you know, will work in uh, heat excess of 140 degrees – yeah. You know the end is is you, near. You need to get off the grid and right. just go somewhere and grow a beard and learn how to shoot or something. I don't know. Move to the south pole or north pole cuz it will be it'll be 50 or 60 degrees there and you'll be
1: fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so that's a thought I'll I'll, I'll leave you with. But it, it was so funny because I, this this thought came out of nowhere and Tim's like, "Oh, jeez, man." Yeah. Took a dark turn, man. Like, yeah, I know. I, I don't know where it came from.